Hello, my name is Dave Graney. I am an underworld musician of many years standing. I'm here to ask you to tune in to my fellow traveller, my comrade, Radio Caram. You're listening to Rowan Pratt Method, where we talk all things fitness, well-being, performance, mindset, and lifestyle, so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's episode, we have Alison Wright, who is a nutritionist and well-being coach. Welcome to the show, Alison. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about, you. obviously, you've got a lot of strings to your bow. Obviously, <laughs> you've united nutrition and well-being, which I think is absolutely amazing. So can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Well... I came to nutrition after a lifetime of not looking after myself. So I actually got into nutrition in my 40s. So I qualified as a nutritionist when I was close to 50. So I got into nutrition because I'd been feeling really bad. I was getting panic attacks and anxiety. And, you know, I was working for newspapers and on 24-hour call for like 14 years. I was massively stressed out. So I started to look after my nutrition because I started to get ill and I couldn't believe how much better I felt. So that kind of turned me into this evangelist for nutrition. Like I thought, you know, if I can do this and feel this way, I want to study it and I want to teach everybody else that they can feel better. So when I first qualified, it was very black and white to me. It was nutrition is everything, you know. It's, and I still believe that nutrition is the foundation for health and well-being and and feeling calm and good mindset but then over the years with experience I've kind of got involved with all these other factors that play a part in it and it's it's weird because people don't come to see a nutritionist to lose weight they come to a nutritionist for so many other different reasons their energy's rubbish or their immune system's low or they just don't feel well or they've got anxiety or something like that so I started like getting further and further into my career and what I realized is is that there are all these factors that play a part in nutrition so nutrition is one thing but if you don't manage your stress that impacts your eating impulses and how and how you eat and where you hold the fat around your middle and you know your cortisol levels and then there's sleep as well if you don't sleep that plays an impact it affects your hunger hormones and you know you're feeling so you eat more and you crave the wrong kind of foods and then it all came into mindful eating so this was like a whole new concept as well which was the idea that we make decisions about food every day and we don't even think about them so a lot of the time we're kind of shoveling things into our mouth and we don't even register what we're eating so it's been a gradual path it's a very long answer to your question but it's been a gradual learning curve for me bit by bit that nutrition doesn't stand on its own Mm. doesn't stand in isolation that there are all these other factors that play a part and if you're really looking to improve your well-being and gain that calmness perform better feel better you need to also pay attention to these other factors there's so many variables to take into account and most people as you said a lot of people think they want to lose weight and weight is a a very broad subject because that could be muscle mass it could be bone density it could be body fat it could be water it could be many things but at the end of the day they want to be comfortable in their own skin they want to feel good they want to perform good that's what they really want that confidence that they feel the weight loss would give them and again as you mentioned with sleep if someone's got a, a having a horrific sleep you can't give them a really intensive training program because they simply won't recover from it. If you put them in a calorie deficit and they're not recovering, then 
you have to look at things holistically for you to be able to get the results you're looking for. Yeah. So I love that you do that because so many people do work in isolation and I'm glad we have specialists that are experts in the field. But when you look at things broadly, you can start finding little errors and like things to improve. Absolutely. And even like, well, even, but hormones play a massive part as well. So what you find with research into nutrition, a lot of it's done on men because it's much easier to get results on a group of men because then they don't ovulate. So like trying to do it for a group of women and getting them all at the same time in their cycle, it's expensive. They can't do it. So Mm. research done on men whose genome is 30% different to female. So what works for men doesn't also work for women and women dependent on where they are in their monthly cycle they're going to need to train differently eat differently to get better results i'm glad you mentioned this i want to unpack this what do you think the main differences are between a man and a woman when it comes to dietary requirements okay well it like we'll get to the cycle in a moment i want to get to that but just in general in general so in general it, it it depends on on the age, but if you say talking about so a female who's ovulating, so premenopause, they need to eat in the morning. They need to have protein. They need their carbohydrates for their hormones to work properly. They there's a lot of focus on body weight, like muscle. You know, if you go to some, and I won't mention anybody by name but you know certain programs that that they do like the body scan to get the the, the dexa scans that's yeah. right yeah and this this idea of women oh i want to only want to have like 18 17 16 15 percent body fat it's so incredibly dangerous for hormone regulation for hormone else. regulation for a female to drop to she'll She'll lose her periods if she drops to kind of 17% body yeah. fat. And then there's kind of long-term repercussions of that. So yeah. that's what that's that's a huge difference. The other difference, I think, like men's metabolism is faster because of muscle mass is probably is greater and also tend to be bigger. Mm. And so things like intermittent fasting can work better with men of a certain age than with their counterparts i'm glad you brought this up because there's so many different diets out there and they all have pros and cons and i guess it comes down to the individual what they can see themselves doing long term but what are your thoughts on eliminating certain macros from a diet completely i hate it yeah i'm glad i hate that idea i hate it I'm sorry, I really hate it. I, I really the, hate the idea. everyone that's listening, she's very passionate right now and very animated. You cannot eliminate a macro. They are macros for reasons. Yeah. And they're, they're macros because you need them in larger quantities in your diet. So this whole thing about, I actually, in I teach and I actually had a student say to me, oh, well, you don't have to have carbohydrates. I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, they're not essential to life. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's a macro. You need it. And I think, so there's a lot of misinformation about that. Like people think carbohydrates are pasta, bread, rice. But carbohydrates are all plant-based foods. So carbohydrates are also your fresh fruit and vegetables, your pulses, your nuts, your seeds, like all things like this. So they're vitally important into your diet. So... The idea of removing a food group 
is ridiculous and it's also very dangerous. Mm. If you go too high on protein you don't and don't get the fiber or too high on fat and don't balance it properly, it can be really dangerous to you overall. So I think dieting as a whole really oh, just it it does my head in because what I try to do with nutrition is is to teach balance. Mm. Food is so much part of our culture. Like food is fantastic. It's such an enjoyable part of life. Like your search for your chili chicken keeps me. <laughs> Guess you would not believe it. So for anyone listening, I have this obsession with this hot chili chicken that I used to have all the time. And then the shop miraculously closed down without telling me, and I was devastated for years. I've since found a replacement oh in Kunang Road. It's amazing. It's called hot chili chicken. It's like a Korean Chinese slash dish. But apparently you can make it from home, so I haven't given it a go yet. Oh, but, uh, it'll be my guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the point is that food is such a big part of life. Restricting food, what we eat, as humans, we don't like to restrict. We don't like to be told we can't do something. We are more resistant to, uh, like, pe- our need for pleasure will always override our need for pain. Mm. Yeah, our feeling of pain. So threatening somebody, you know, if you don't lose weight, this will happen. If you don't stop smoking, this will happen. It doesn't work. Mm. So what happens is people will restrict themselves, diet, like something unsustainable, and then they'll get cravings, they will capitulate, they will overcompensate, then they'll feel bad about themselves. And it's a whole cycle that goes round. And I remember... So there's a doctor, Dr. Helena Popovich, and she is she writes really well on this. She has a book called Neuroslimming, which is fantastic. It's all about mindfulness. And she tells this story about... Now, I'm not very good at remembering figures and things like this, so I'll give you the general gist. Yeah. But they had a, they had a group. It was a, a group, a cohort of people who'd had like a major cardiac incident. And they were told, if you don't follow this diet, you will die. And after eight weeks or so, they had about, I don't know, it was low, about 20, 20% of people followed the diet, even though they'd been told that if they don't follow the diet, they'll, it's all over. They did a similar thing with the cohort and they said, okay, you've had a major cardiac, cardiac episode. What do you want to live for? What do you want to do in life? What have you still got to do? And by talking to people, so they were thinking about setting, you know, things to look forward to in the future. And at the end of the kind of eight-week period, they got like an 80% adherence rate to the, you know... Simply with that shift in perspective. Absolutely. So how we speak about... This has kind of gone off at a tangent from dieting, but how we speak about food and our relationship with food is really important. And dieting tends to sit in this this circle of disordered eating creating like a negative relationship making us feel that we can't do something that we want to do which just makes us want to do it even Mm. more and it's unhealthy so it's about thinking about food as a whole and shifting our perspective about what we should and what we shouldn't what shifting our perspective about it so that we're not giving food this power over us. Yeah. So we're not talking about bad 
bad food and good food and cheat days and clean eating because it's just food. It's either nutritious or it's not so nutritious. Yeah, you can eat for health or eat for pleasure. Exactly. Just eat more for health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you find that the healthy food becomes your pleasure because you downregulate your cravings for salt and sugar. It's funny that you mentioned that. I've known from personal experience that I have a completely different effect based on food that I eat. And there's fr- meals that I have that I know that after I eat it, I feel amazing. So, for example, I said to you today, I just had that tin of salmon and some rice and some lentils. It's a really bland meal. I put some chili aioli or something in it, yep. low fat, low uh, calorie, just as something like it's a little bit of a health kick. And I feel great after I have it. Like I yep. get clean, sustainable, consistent energy after the meal. Of course. Yeah. And there's loads of carbohydrates in that. Yeah, I need those. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. I'm I, always on the go. Condiments, condiments are everything. Yeah. I am obsessed with it. I, I don't know if it's an English thing. Yeah. Like all my life I've been like that. Like I'll walk past a clothes stop shop, but you find me at a pickle stand in a, in a market and I'll blow ridiculous amounts of money. So so what you just had, you, you have the aioli or a, or a chili oil yeah. or pickles or, yeah. I My partner always says, flavour, bring me flavour because I'm the <laughs> flavour police. Everything has to be flavoured in some way, whether it's herbs, spices, chili, whatever. I hate bland food. I love sauces. I love all those things, but I eat relatively healthy. Now, just want to go back to what you're mentioning about labelling particular food groups or Uh, I think that relationship or that internal dialogue is not just related to food. It's related to everything. It's whether people have to go to the gym instead of get to go to the gym, whether it's how they label themselves. The words I am are very powerful. So they might label themselves. We had someone talking about addiction. They refer to themselves that they are an addict years after they've recovered. And they're constantly having that stigma. Those words are very powerful in how you shape your mindset around dieting in particular. Yes, absolutely. How you talk to yourself is really important being kind to yourself but with with healthy habits it's about like I used to think you know if I see another smart girl my head's going to because it's too much like what people need are those incremental tiny little changes of behavior that all add up to feeling better so things like habit stacking so if you already do one thing just add something else to it because what happens is people are like right I'm going to get fit you know new year and I'm going to get fit and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this and they just set all this expectation on themselves and it's just impossible to keep Mm. up with it but if you get up in the morning and you say right this week I'm going to eat three serves of vegetables every day and tick it off and then and that can be just adding it into their sandwich at lunchtime and a little salad with their meal at night. It's achievable, makes you feel better about yourself. You nail that, then you add something else on and this is how you build it. And movement, food, we have to eat. Movement is harder because... We don't have to move nowadays. No. With most professions anyway. (laughs) I know. And it is astounding how little some people move. Mm. It's something like... I think we eat 40% more and move 30% less than we did 20 years right ago or the other way around. Like I said, I'm And we really numbers. don't have to move to get our food anymore either. No, no. And also, interesting fact that's got nothing to do with this bit of the conversation, but I just read it and I need to tell you it, is that did you know that 80% of the food in the supermarket 
didn't exist 100 years ago. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I bet you the stuff that did exist has been genetically modified or has different <laughs> yeah. soil or something else anyway. So I don't think we've got anything in its yeah. original form nowadays. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's terrifying to think. And it's if you think about the rate, the incline of all the illnesses and things that we're facing, both mentally and physically. Yep. Food is something that we all have in common. Everyone has to eat. Yes. But you know what? It's also in it's made incredible the internet has made it incredibly complicated yes the thing that i found about nutrition when i was when i first qualified compared to you know six seven years down the track is when i started i thought i was so into kind of the different vitamins and minerals and the chemical reactions and how this impacted that and how that impacted this and and all that kind of stuff but then I realized that the problem is is all these tiny complexities when you go online people kind of focus on these but the bigger picture is most people don't know how to put a healthy meal together mm. if you look at statistics it's it's either 92 or 95, it's ridiculously high percent of people do not eat enough fruit and vegetables to sustain their health. Yeah. And that comes from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. So before we start thinking about, should I do keto? Should I do low carb? Should I do intermittent fasting? Get the basics right. Get your veg in there, clean up your protein to make sure that you, you know, you're not getting added kind of... Sh- um, salts and additives into it and eat a balanced diet see how you feel then before you start going down these rabbit holes yeah i completely agree and you mentioned before most people don't come to a nutritionist wanting weight loss specifically i feel that they believe that's what they want but when you dig deeper it is all these things like they want more energy they want increased libido so they true. want more confidence but they think it is the weight loss yeah. that they're looking for. But you start looking at all these other factors, like their mood, how they feel about themselves, Absolutely. their relationship with themselves. Yeah. That is the essential stuff. They're going to get the best benefits. And then the eating comes easier when yes. you address that. 100%. 100%. It's like the the if you start eating to feel better, the weight will take care of yeah. itself. And you always know when you're on the right track because – Somebody will come, they'll come and see you and then they'll come back for it for a follow up a couple of weeks later and you say, you know, how are you feeling? And they're like, I feel happier. I've got more energy. And you're like, right, we're on the right track there. So it's, I always say, let's just look at what you're eating. Find something that works for you. Don't worry about the weight. It is ridiculous how much pressure people, once they focus on the weight, because your weight can fluctuate. 100% on a daily basis. And people weigh themselves every day. They get up, their, their weight is like a, ki- a kilo more than it was yesterday, and it stuffs up their whole day. See, I get people that come to me for years in the fitness in- industry, and they say they want to lose weight. I'm like, okay, why? Are you in a weight division sport? Are you a boxer? If you're a boxer, <laughs> then fair enough. But you're not walking around with a sign on your head saying, I'm 90 kilos. Yeah. You could be 90 kilos and shredded and athletic, or you could be 90 kilos and overweight. The scale weight is irrelevant. It's the body composition that comes with it. Yes. So that's what I try to steer people towards. But you hear in the fitness industry, and I guess this carries over to nutrition as well, I think they're setting people up for failure. The focus is dropping eight kilos in 30 days on the scaleway and they don't care how they do it. A lot yep. of it's water weight, some of it's body fat, some of it's even bone density like they're terminally ill, yep. loss of muscle mass. 
they're on a ridiculously low calorie deficit that's unsustainable. Yep. Their hormones go out of whack, like you mentioned. Yep. They feel like crap. They can't do anything. And then they rebel. Yeah. And they might go on a stupid shake. I won't say the brand because I don't want to get sued, but they've got one of these shakes. <laughs> and then, hate those yeah, shakes. exactly. And then they're, they're eating nothing. I'm like, you are eating like a 40 kilo girl with a, a bulimia. Yeah. And you're a 100 kilo man. I'm like, yeah. you cannot sustain this. So they will eat again over their calorie maintenance, which is already lowered yep. because of their metabolism adapting. And then they put all the weight back on it. And then they go, I have to go back to do that challenge. Yeah. I don't know a single person that's done a 30-day or eight-week challenge that has maintained the results after it. They, yeah. They, yeah. They're quite, actually quite toxic. Yeah. Because you'll lose the weight, but you'll put it back on. Yeah. And it create, while you're losing that weight, you're creating quite disordered eating while you're doing it. The other thing is, if you want to lose weight, you have to do it slowly over a, quite a long period of time. But that's not the sexy answer. No, no, no it's not the that. sexy answer. It's not <laughs> the sexy answer. Like when I, it's really funny because like when I had this massive epiphany about my health and I and I kind of pivoted, I went from somebody who smoked and drank too much and was massively stressed out to somebody who started watching what I eat, what I, what I ate and exercising and I dropped about 10 kilos and people would come up to me and they'd go, Ali, you look amazing. Like, you know, what, what have you done? And as soon as I started saying, well, I've been exercising and doing this and doing that, you could see their eyes glaze over. They just wanted me to say, I take this miracle pill yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's been amazing. Is there a prescription <laughs> for it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's, 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 it's ebb and flow, you yeah. know, like it's just been Christmas and New Year. So yeah, you know, have Christmas pudding, enjoy your turkey and your mince pies, you know, relax, have a glass of champagne. It's all ebb and flow, you know. What you find is when you start eating in a way that suits your body and makes you feel well, you'll naturally rein yourself back in because you won't feel so great and you'll think, yeah, okay, I've had a few mince pies, but oh, just not feeling. Isn't it funny how your body adapts? Yeah, yeah. It is funny. It's, I I have what I call... (laughs) pudding sickness right yeah. so you would i'm i'm pretty sure you'll get you get this for my so, burger days yeah. <laughs> so i i love i love cake i always have and, and you know before i i went down the nutrition path i used to have very high tolerance for sugar mm-hmm. so i could eat a lot of cake i could eat a lot of chocolate biscuits and i never felt you know bad or poorly or anything but now because now i want it but when if I overeat it, the sugar, yeah. honestly, Ron, it's amazing. Like my heart will just start yeah. going, and I feel sick. And it's like, oh, I've got the pudding sickness again. <laughs> so you still will have cake on occasion. Absolutely. Now I have a question for you because everyone talks about substitutes. Yes. Do you think someone that loves cake, let's say hypothetically they're eating 80% of their day healthy food, they've made some dietary shifts. Yes. Do they have to have a healthy cake no. as a substitute or can they enjoy the horrible cake that's going to make them feel like crap? It's not horrible though, so take the emotion okay, out of it. The, it's delicious. Let's say it's delicious, but the feeling that they're going to have after is probably going to be horrible. Like well, after the dopamine crashes. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, so let me just tell you a little anecdote to that. So it's all about this relationship with food. This is Look, I've been talking to you about I've shifted with, with the way that I, I kind of practice nutrition is if you say to if you say the word chocolate cake to an American or an Australian, what do you associate with that? 
it's guilt, yeah. calories, like that. If you say it to someone from France, they'll say celebration. Don't you think that's interesting? Yes. So what I say to my clients is, if I say to you, if cake is your thing or coffee is your thing or donuts are your thing, and I say to you, you can never have another donut coffee. You're going to crave that. Yeah, you're going to want it and then you're going to overindulge. If, But if I say to you, okay, you feel like a piece of cake, but go and have a good piece of cake. Have a piece of cake. Go to, you know, treat yourself. Buy mm. something that's, don't buy something that's in the supermarket wrapped in plastic that's got a shelf life of like 10 years and it's got all kinds of additives and horrible trans fats in it. Buy it at your local cafe that's been made on the premises and sit down, enjoy it. Yeah, Eat it slowly. It's, it's a pleasure. And you'll find that that will satisfy you. It's like looking at what you eat as a whole like there are 21 meals a week there are you know obviously seven days a week if you have one piece of cake on a friday afternoon because hey you've you've worked hard and you feel like it it's not going to make any difference Mm. the alternative to that is i see this experience with clients story that 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 actually happened was the, our bread and butter, pardon the pun, is our food diaries, right? So a food diary is something that really gives us an insight. So I, so I had a client and I looked at her food diary and she'd had ham and cheese croissant for breakfast. Then she hadn't eaten anything all day and then there was nothing written for the evening. And I'm like, what's going on here? The story was she had a ham and cheese croissant for breakfast, then felt horribly guilty because it wasn't the healthy option. So decided she wasn't going to eat anything all day then of course got ravenously hungry about six o'clock and ordered pizza and totally kind of ate out on all this junk food if she'd had the croissant and said wow i really enjoyed that croissant it was great i I really you know it tasted lovely i appreciated i enjoyed it i ate it slowly i tasted it but i'm going to make sure that i have something with vegetables for lunch or add a salad or good quality protein or you know like so i'm going to make sure that what i eat for the rest of the day is going to be healthy rather than saying oh no i ate something unhealthy right i'm not going to eat anything now and then get so hungry or it's like i ate something that i don't perceive as being good for me the day's ruined i might as well just continue i'll start monday (laughs) that's what generally happens isn't it so with that that overeating at night after depriving themselves yeah. all day after one bad mistake or one mistake that they've anticipated as bad or late what, as bad. Yeah, they perceive yeah, they it perceive as, it as bad. So do you think they have to make up the debt or the lack of calories? That, no, like hypothetically, they haven't eaten enough food throughout the day, so they're trying to meet their yep. quota of maintenance calories that they need to survive. So they're eating calorie-dense food, which isn't really healthy for them yep. because they're trying to meet that quota. Yeah, it, it, it can be. It, it can definitely be that. They just get so starving and then it's just, oh. Yeah, yeah, and the same story, they eat all the cookies, the whole yeah. packet and <laughs> a whole tub of ice cream and yeah. everything. Yeah, but I mean, it's... We're taught to do, like we are almost programmed to eat badly. Mm. If you think about it, if it's something that I feel really passionate about, if you look at school programs or 
sports things where they're selling chocolate and giving jelly snakes and, you know, hot dogs and, and everybody says, oh, it's wonderful sport. But like, what are we teaching our children to eat? I have clients that have come through who are now in their 30s. They don't know how to look in the fridge and put a meal together. They've never been taught. They've never been shown. They're they're busy. They're bombarded all the time with, you know, cooking is too time consuming. It's too difficult because we've all got to be a master chef. So, hey, there's ready meals. There's takeaway. It's all convenience. You know, there is one ad... I won't say who, where they kind of open the fridge door with all these ready meals in it and say, look how wonderful when you don't have to spend any time cooking. And I just thought that's just incredibly sad. So we're kind of told that we, that cooking's too hard, that we, that we need to save time. And then we are marketed all these horrendous foods that are kind of Frankenstein foods Mm. that are processed and they have to have things added to them because they're taken out in the processing factor or they there's that kind of health halo thing where you'll buy something and it'll have a thing on the front saying 40% more fiber and you think yeah this is good for me what you don't realize it's got a bucket load of sugar Mm. and all this other stuff in it so we we d- it's confusing and we don't know and then you have like the health food aisle in the supermarket and it's full of like processed protein Low bars fat. and yeah yeah it's um it is it's as if people are set up to fail because they don't understand people just think okay fat is bad they don't understand yes. that fat is again like we spoke about carbs is a macro that you actually yes. require to function as a human being and have yep. so many benefits yes you don't want to have too much of anything in excess yep but yeah, it's demonized. It's interesting because, like, I'm older than you and I grew up at the time when it was all fat is bad. Yeah. Like, all the diets when I was growing up that my mum was doing was fat counting. Like, mm. so, you know, like they count other stuff. So there was like fat units. So you could only have so many fat units a day. And that's when they went all to, to low fat. But the problem is when you take the fat out, you take out the satiety and that, that, you know, the feeling of being full and the goodness of it. And so they replaced it with sugar. Yeah. And that's created a whole different problem. And now they've kind of gone back and said, hey, that research that we did, (laughs) it was actually wrong. And it was based on a false context and the figures were all wrong and formal and apology to everyone with cardiovascular disease <laughs> and diabetes and yeah. <laughs> associated problems yeah. yeah yeah so that i mean the thing about nutrition is it's comp- it's always evolving and shifting the research that we have on it but i think overwhelmingly the message is try and cook from scratch mm. try and use fresh ingredients where you can try and get your vegetables in there and just try and limit that processed food that food because we don't know well we do know what the long-term impacts of that is it's chronic disease it's like you know 85 percent of the the health burden in australia is caused by chronic disease 85% and the thing about chronic diseases is is that they are almost entirely avoidable Mm. if you if you look after your nutrition and move and make some lifestyle changes. So 
it's we're all being sold this this bung message people don't want to change their lifestyle though no. they just want the pill that they can take to continue with their lifestyle yeah very oh, it's ah oh, you know people are very resistant to it and and it's just it takes so little what i think is it it takes so little to just get that whiff of a little bit extra energy because I, I, what I find is you know come with me on this journey it's a journey I, I sounds like sound really you know, kind of cliche and stuff like that but if you come to see me for nutrition and I say right this is where you're at with there's a hundred things that you've got to change you're going to walk away and you're just going to think oh it's all too hard it's mm. overwhelming if you come to me and I say right let's agree on three things three things that you can do that we're going to change and and I pick the right things and get agreement, I know that I can deliver to you in a very short time an improvement to your mood. And then they're hooked. And then they're hooked because it's exactly what happened to me. I'm not. So I want to touch on that. Yeah. I don't want to cut, sorry for cutting you no. off, but from someone that can really empathize and relate to most of your clients you used yeah. to smoke drink yeah. eat junk food yeah. and things what was the shift for you that made you start experimenting with nutrition and then creating a career out of it yeah it was so i'd i'd worked in newspapers all my life so for 20 years i'd, I'd worked in newspapers and newspapers is newspapers are a very stressful environment you've got that daily deadline you've got to get the paper out it, it was you know at a time in corporate life where there was a lot of drinking a lot of it was very fast-paced and I you know I kind of thought I you know I thrive on stress I you know I deal with stress really well but kind of looking back on it I kind of ended in a pl- ended up in a place where I was in my 40s I was you know I was probably about 10-15 kilos overweight I broke out in acne I'd, I'd gone through a very stressful period who knew you could get acne <laughs> in your 40s it's horrendous yeah. got acne I am um, highly anxious I was getting panic attacks I went to my doctor I I had you know she was talking to me about antidepressants anxiety medication uh, blood pressure pills cholesterol like it was all out of whack and it was just it was just heartbreaking I kind of walked out of there and I was like oh I'm not I'm not sure that 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 I want to do that like this can't be me like I you know this can't be what 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 I've got to do to feel better so I I had a bonus at work and I thought my husband as well like he, he we'd gone down the same path together and we thought well I'm going to invest a bit of this money and we got like a health coach for eight weeks Hmm. and I had bear in mind I had never gone to a gym Rowan in my life ever I thought that I was I thought some people are fit and some people are that's like kind of predestined you know that's that limiting belief yeah there. absolutely like it's like thinking some people can do science and some people do arts mm. it's like you it's just, a very fixed mindset but i know absolutely. i consider you such a growth mindset person it was like i was so i would say i considered myself to be relatively smart but mm. even into my 30s 
if you'd have asked me about nutrition, I had no idea. I thought it was all about calories. And if I was on 1,800 calories a day, if I chose to eat those calories, eat those calories in cupcakes, yeah. <laughs> that was fine. You were still in a calorie deficit. Yeah. But so I, start, so I started getting fit. It was actually the movement that triggered it for me first right over the nutrition. I had never exercised in my life. And I started to feel better I started to feel my energy came out very very early into it like the first time I, I had a session I came home I slept for four hours like wow. just I was exhausted but then I and then I but then I did and then what happened was it's what I work with now which is crowding out so you you add in good behaviors so you start to feel better and you start to make better choices and that's exactly what happened to me i started to cut drinking so like i'd only i wouldn't drink on a work night i stopped smoking i started to pay more attention to what i was eating and um, once i really started to look at what i was eating that's when that the big wins came and it honestly changed my life mm. i cannot tell you the difference it made like I'd spent my whole life feeling rubbish but you thought it was normal I imagine I thought that was normal I thought it was normal to feel tired to get throat infections to feel that you know that general kind of not well like have no energy get really anxious about I thought that was normal and I didn't realize and then when when I started going through it was a it was a Honestly, it was a gradual thing. I'd love to say it was like a really quick thing, but it was one thing led to another thing, led to another thing, led to but another thing. But those small thing. changes over time yep. added up to where you are now. Yeah. And I just have a passion for it because I feel if I can do it, anybody can, you know, like because I think if you if you if you're if you're into sport all your life and you're into that kind of thing, and you go and you study and you come out and and you've never known any different. It's hard to talk to people about making the change and making the transition. But I kind of feel because I lived it, it's like my life has been in like two parts, you know, yeah. like before and after. It's amazing. Um, I think it's a very good skill to have because you can relate to people that need the help. Yes. Because, yes, there is an industry where there is sports performance, the people that are already health conscious, but they're generally doing most of the right things. You yes. can tweak it, but for the average person that is living, not really meeting their potential, yep. pursuing it or knows enough about it, there's so much room for growth. And being so able to relate to those people is important. I've worn many hats and I've done a lot of dumb things in my life and made lots of mistakes. And I don't regret any of them because I can help people that have been through similar experiences. Absolutely. Such a good thing to Absolutely. have. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's what makes you as a person, isn't it? Is the depth and, and the breadth of your experience. The one thing that I, I think the one thing that was an absolute revelation to me was I'd always been very confident intellectually. So I'd always been very confident in writing and speaking and in my thought process and my ability to communicate and evaluate and to learn. I had never been confident physically. Mm. And when I got fit, like I really went for it. Like I run half marathon, you know, like I, I really went for it. I did Tough Mother. Like this yep. was just like, people were like, who wow, are what a, what you? transition. <laughs> who are you? And I loved it. But when I got that physical confidence, that was really life-changing to me. 
that that I understood something then I understood and it helped so much with things like sleep and managing stress and and I never went on any medication at all because I didn't need it like the anxiety just disappeared do you feel that your identity changed during that transition like how you perceived yourself because I've had this conversation with people when you start identifying yourself as someone who prioritizes their health and well-being yeah it's not a chore to go to the gym. It's not a chore to eat this more. It's just what you do. It just yes. becomes a part of your life. The yes. same as it was, you might have been that person that went to the pub every week and wrote yourself off. That's what you did on a Saturday night. Yeah. And that's how people sort of relate to the world and relate to themselves. Yeah. Abs- that's absolutely right. And it's like, because people will say, oh, I just, I, you know, I, I just can't get motivated. And I'm like, it's not about motivation. It comes and goes. That, that's that's a feeling mm. it's the action it's the commitment it's 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 like i get it it's funny because people think that it's easy people will make those comments and i'm sure you get this they'll go oh well it's all right for you you know and i'm like do you understand how hard i've worked to enjoy fitness yeah and sometimes like we were talking about running before like yesterday I thought, oh, I haven't been for a run. I need to go for a run. I had a big, busy day. I've got some a lot on at the moment, and I, I, it really helps to clear my head. I thought, oh, I don't want to go. It's like, put what, put your gear on. Don't even think about it. Just put your gear on and run out the door. And I ran, and I came home, and I felt amazing. Yeah. And it was like... But prior to that, you were like, oh, I really can't be bothered. I really can't be yeah. bothered. And people think that, that you, you're motivated all the yeah. time and you're not, but it's a habit that's so ingrained in my life now that if I go for a couple of days without moving, I start to feel really, I just don't feel myself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for my mental health, I think movement has been right up there. In, in when made me. to move, and I know you yeah. spend a big portion of your life not doing it, Personally, I was always involved with sport when I was younger. Yeah. But there were periods of my life, even when I worked in the fitness industry, where I was not practicing what I was preaching. I just wasn't for whatever reason. I justified that I would start soon. Things were too busy or whatever was happening. I just wasn't doing it. So, so it's one thing to know better, but doing better is another thing. Yes. So that is, I understand how people go through that process where you have to make that shift. But all the influencers out there, influencers out there that everyone's watching, they have days where they can't be bothered. Yes. I know they sound inspirational, motivating on their videos, but they have days where they really can't be fucked. Yeah. It's, just the, it's just the way it is. Absolutely. So, but you will feel better when you do it. I know with me, if I'm feeling I really can't be bothered today, I'll do that workout and I feel so much better. Yeah. I never regret one. No, you never. That's the thing. You never regret it, do mm. you? The, the, I have like a rule with my, like I have my own, rules that I've kind of built in and one of them is always that I always exercise on a Monday morning I always start the week off like it's just it doesn't matter how I feel Monday morning it's like start the week off and I get up and I exercise but yeah mine is I'll never go two days without a workout yeah that's one of my commitments yeah so something let's have a busy schedule or something gets in the way I just won't do those two days and that's very similar for my approach to mindfulness and things like that as well yeah I try and practice daily if I can't I won't go more than two days yes yeah that's right that's right so about mindful eating you touched on the subject before can you elaborate on that yeah so one of the things with oh there's this great book that somebody gave me quite early on and it was about there was this guy at Cornell University and he did all this stuff about mindful eating 
And it was, the, and I think the statistic was, you know, we make 200 decisions about food every day, but when we're just not aware of it, you know, shall I have a coffee? Shall I have a sugar in that? Shall I have a muffin with it? Shall I have, do you know what I mean? Like you go and you make all these decisions, you don't think about it. And he did like a lot of research and these really cool tricks that he did. So one of them was um, he had two groups of students and he sent them to the movies and he gave one group of students a small tub of popcorn and the other group of students a large tub of popcorn. And they went into the movies and surprise, surprise, they ate all the popcorn, whether they had small or whether they had large. But the real kicker to, to it was all the popcorn was stale. But they ate it anyway wow. because they weren't even thinking about what they were putting in their mouth. Yeah. So you think about eating and and grazing. Like we eat for so many reasons and hunger is probably not top of the list. Mm. So emotional eating. So we eat because we're sad or we're upset or we're lonely or we're boredom is a big thing particularly people working from home in covid you know yeah. what should i do now or oh, walk past the fridge open the yeah. door yeah. <laughs> what's there so mindful eating is a way of understanding this concept and eating to nourish ourselves so thinking about before we put something in our mouth am i really hungry mm. or is it something else and if it is something else, then say I'm lonely, well, ring a friend or, you know, or go for a walk around the block or something like that. But the other thing about mindful eating is how and why we eat is right up there with an importance is with what we eat. Yes. So in order for us to digest and absorb our nutrients properly, we have to be in our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. Yes. So you think that most of most people operate in their sympathetic nervous system. 100%. We're stressed, we're running Four's around. Our through the roof. Absolutely. So you're like eating on the run or eating in your car or eating at your desk. You're not giving your body time to shift into its rest and digest mode so that it can actually absorb and process those nutrients properly. If you don't concentrate on what you eat, chances are you're going to eat more than you need and you're not going to absorb it as well. So I've had this chat with clients that have been seeing their doctors because they have had stomach problems. Mm hmm. And I've always been convinced that it comes down to their ability to manage stress. They have very stressful jobs, very stressful lives, have limited sleep. Then they go, I want to exercise. And what the last thing I'm going to give you <laughs> is a really intensive exercise program that you will not recover from. That's going to add more stress to an already stressed individual. You need to get your stress in check. And then I think your digestion will improve because they're constantly in fight or flight. So yes. digestion shut down with the parasympathetic Absolutely. nervous system. Yep. People don't understand that. They just think, I, I have... Um, uh, what is that acid reflux or whatever they have all these problems and they just can't digest food and they're always bound up but yes. they can't digest food and it's to do with stress yes absolutely absolutely and funnily enough with that stress as you said there's many reasons why people eat a lot of the times eating is a coping strategy for stress yes so it's sort of like that double-edged sword that yes. it's working together well it's it's really interesting because what we eat affects how we feel but how we feel affects yeah. what we eat. So like when you're stressed, you, you, you know, your, your 
and glucose goes into your bloodstream and you're you know you you start to crave these foods that are going to give you a quick energy fix so you those salty sugary foods they're the ones that you're going to go for those kind of simple carbohydrates that are going to give you a massive it's energy a final boost. Flight. yeah so so understanding this is really important because if you're already stressed and you're eating those types of foods then that increases your stress if you're stressed and you just pause and think i really need to eat something to nourish myself to really kind of replenish and you will get pleasure it's it's just new it's those neural pathways it's like we think i feel like this so i eat i feel like this so i eat but I went, sorry, I was going to say, I eat a burger or I eat fast food or and it makes me feel better. So you think stress equals eat that, stress equals eat that. But the thing is, when you eat, it kicks off endorphins no matter what you eat. So if it's like, I feel stressed, I'm going to eat, oh, no, I'm going to have something else instead that's better for me, you're still going to feel good. And you can shift those pathways so you don't automatically reach for the quick fix food mm. and you'll feel better for it. You know how you mentioned the popcorn experiment? Yes, I love I that. I think that really sort of gels well with the concept of people not having food that is not ideal in their household. Yes. Because if it's there, they will eat the entire packet of whatever it is because it's available. And as you said, they're walking past the fridge, they're going to open up, they're going to eat it because it's there. Yeah. But if you are going to enjoy these things, I know a lot of people that have stopped drinking alcohol, they make the commitment that they will not drink at home. Yes. But if they're in a social setting, they'll have a few. Yeah. So because they want to unwind and simply so the conversation flows a little bit better because yeah. everyone else was drinking. Yes. Yeah, but they will not drink at home. So they change that habit. So simple things like that. What advice would you have for someone when they're eating out? Okay. So eating out, but I just I just go back just to that point that you make because there's just something that, that you said that, that I wanted to mention is a lot of those junk foods have MSG in them. And MSG is something that occurs naturally, but what they use it for is flavorings in food. It's got that umami taste, so it's kind of quite addictive. Um, and they use it in high quantities. And the thing about it is, is it that increases our cravings. So if you like have a bag of chips, crisps or something like that, big bags they sell over here in Australia and you open it and you have a few and then you put them away but then like 10 minutes later you're craving them again because they don't satisfy you these serving sizes three chips absolutely yeah (laughs) absolutely but this is like food like food it's not real food it's like chemical food and it's particularly designed so that we'll eat more and more and more of it um so my my thing that I would my big commitment to this is that just don't have it in your house that's what you're saying do not have it in the house even myself i know if if i've got food in the house like biscuits cakes things like that they're gone they're gone i can't (laughs) i I know that i can't because you know the thing is is that that we all think that willpower oh you've got such strong willpower willpower is not finite Mm. willpower diminishes the more times you have to draw on it so if they've got the cake in the house and i'm thinking this cake i'm not going to eat it this cake i'm not going to eat it this cake my willpower is going down 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 so i might say no to that like 27 times but then i'm going to eat it Mm. don't have it in the house eating out so my advice for eating out is so this would depend so this would depend is if you're eating out 
let's just say hypothetically you were invited out uh, to well, let's look at two scenarios one you're on the run and you have limited time and you're hungry you need to fuel yourself with something what would you suggest people could do that's convenient obviously not mcdonald's or something but what's something that they could do what's the best option the devil you know so the best option it depends on the period of time the, the best option for to grab something is to get some good quality protein and some good quality fiber so if you were you know stopping stopping at a shop like something like a piece of fruit and some nuts or something like that would work quite well i know that's not you know kind of a fancy answer or, or anything like that my the thing is if you plan and prepare you won't be in that position you try not to put yourself in that position like try to eat before you go and take something with you in case you get caught out what about if you're eating let's say you're invited to a dinner yes and i know a lot of people for example they come to me and they go look i'm going on holidays so where, where you know can i find a gym what should i be eating I'm like man you're on holiday yes eat whatever you want Relax. enjoy the holiday you sleep can get, we can do all these things when you get back yeah don't worry about that enjoy yourself if you're at the wedding have the cake yeah if you're at the birthday enjoy the meal yeah. like when people are eating out and they're trying to be a little bit more conscious about what they're eating what would you suggest that so would i would like so i would do things like you know, if you're going for a curry, I would kind of ditch the bread and the rice and get more vegetables yep. or, you know, ditch the rice and get some greens instead as, as a dish. Like, don't fill up on, like, my husband's a classic example of this. He loves garlic bread. So we'll go and he'll order garlic bread and then he'll have five bits of garlic bread before the meal comes and he'll be all full <laughs> and he's just eating all this bread and he feels yeah. rubbish. So hot, like my mum always had a rule which was we were never allowed to eat the bread in restaurants. Okay. So we always bring it first. She's like, you won't eat your meal if you eat your bread. So just skip it. Yeah. And load the... I ideal thing is load up on the vegetables load up on the salad funny i do that when i get thai i skip the entrees yeah they're certainly they're obviously got the dumplings and so many things you can get and yeah but i just avoid them yeah they're expensive anyway i prefer to get another curry or yeah. stir fry Absolutely. i enjoy that much more yeah and more more nutrients and i just feel better when i eat it the other thing i want to come back to what you mentioned earlier about that habit stacking i love that concept does that would that work well with people that are having morning rituals, evening rituals and yes. things? Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things that I did for actually about six months with this, was this program, which was 15 minutes exercise, 10 minutes reading, something that interested you or, you know, like, a, like I couldn't, you know, there's always so much information and you never get a chance to sit down and read it. And then five minutes just sitting in silence yeah. before the day Anyone started. Anyone can do that. Yeah. And even if you just did the five minutes sitting in silence, it makes a massive difference. So the idea is, I mean, you know, the classic example is, well, you know, I... I get up every morning and I, you know, you have a shower. So you get up every morning and you do something first and then you have a shower. You get up every morning and you have a shower and then you do something else. But you try and add in these like small healthy habits to it. The other thing to, the other thing to do with behavioral change is small well-being goals. I love this concept. Yeah. Because I think it sets you up for long-term success. Yes. As opposed to a real... A really extreme approach will get short-term dramatic results, yeah. but it's never sustainable. Yeah. Whereas, so 
leads me to my next question. When you're working with clients, how long do you work with them for? Is it a longer term? Like, it's obviously, they're making small implemental changes yeah. over time. I usually, look, it, it depends. It really does because you get some clients who take it on board and do it. And for some people, there are other things going on and it takes longer. How I, do you figure that out when you meet the client? Oh, do you know what? I, I, it's, it's, you have to create the report and yeah. then people, do you know what? Food is so emotional. Like I had to start keeping a box of tissues in my, <laughs> really? I, yeah, because people, it, it's habits and the connections people make and how they feel about it. You get a, you get an idea after a while and the, normally I'd say like I do a first consultation and then I'll do two follow-ups. And that gives you a good idea. And, and often that's all people need. Mm. The key thing is the food diary because that gives you the patterns. If people turn up without the food diary, I'm, it's really difficult because what we think we've eaten, we it's, it's something like ridiculous, like about 20% wrong or more than that. Like what we actually think we've eaten, we've, there's all these other things that we've just kind of like, subconsciously kind of like put to one side or not counted Do you or find that people try and impress you with their food diary i think <laughs> there's an element of that i think there's an element but but the actual even the actual exercise of writing a food diary makes people make better choices yeah i know when i've worked with clients similar thing i'll always ask them to record between ideally five to seven days over a period, including a weekend as well as weekdays, so I can get an idea about how many calories they're eating. And so many people out there are in such an extreme deficit because yes. they've tried to take weight loss as whatever their priority is into their own hands. Their metabolism is adapted. I'm like, yes. and they're wondering why they can't lose weight. I'm yeah. like, I can't decrease your calories any more than what you're already eating as you simply won't survive. Yeah. Your body will be in starvation. We have to reverse diet, get you back to a maintenance calorie stage before we can even consider going to a deficit again. Yeah. And you only figure that out by looking at what they're eating on a weekly basis. Absolutely, absolutely. And and by seeing what they're eating, you then get an idea of the tweaks that you can actually make. Because if someone is eating, if you get somebody in and they're eating the same thing every day, then you they're actually ideal because you know that, that you can put something in place and that, yeah. that you know, the, the people who want to eat something different every single day are nightmares trying to come up with it. But if you see what they're eating, then you can build on that. So for example, if somebody's having like a white bread ham sandwich for lunch every day, if you if you say, right, I want you to have a quinoa salad with, you know, blah, 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 mm. it's too much of a leap. But if you say, right, I want you to have a, you know, whole, use wholemeal bread, and add three lots of, you know, lettuce, tomato, cucumber, or add something in that yeah. and get a get a source of protein that is more nourishing. And you can make these little moves and, that, and people can do them. I think that is a great approach because it's far more effective than giving someone a meal plan they're not going to follow. Nobody ever follows a meal plan. In I don't even <laughs> give them to people. They ask for them. I'm like, you're not going to follow it. No. Let me see what you currently <laughs> eat and then we'll make some changes to what you're already doing. When I started out, I, I gonna, people asked I'd spend hours and yeah. hours trying to get it right <laughs> and, and then it was devastating yeah well i'm sorry to cut you off but we have run out of time Can't believe i it. have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i'm sure our, our listeners will as well Excellent. i would love to have you back because most of the things that i intended to talk about we didn't but i think we spoke about some great topics anyway okay cool yeah thank you so much yeah no i've enjoyed it now allison where just before we go how can people find you um so my business is called alimentary 
A-L-I-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y, so alimentary.com.au. Fantastic. Thank you very much, and I look forward to having you back again. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisce about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karam and get down with the good vibes. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.